Welcome, everyone, to O Timothy. I'm Matt Marshall, my co-host on the other side of the microphone. On the other side of the world is... Josiah Chidi, pastor of Northern Light Baptist Church, Middleton, Wisconsin, the cheese state. The cheese state. Okay, if you can't see the pod, um, you can see it there on Spotify if you'd like to go watch it. And I recommend you do that today because we have a brand new person on the podcast today. Uh, though they may sound the same, use the same social security number and all that, same address, they are not the same person. That is, Brother Josiah has done something different. What is going on? Well, I didn't lose any weight, so uh, there's what? that. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, no, no. I uh, I shaved, and for those of you who can't see, it does look awfully different. And I don't even know if I like the the look I have here, but... It was time for a change, and so I got rid of the beard, and uh, so now I'm the clean-shaven, you know, clean-shaven oh, monster. I know. On, I remember when you were a heretic for growing a beard. Do you remember that? I do. I do. The men of my church, we were talking about that last night, you know. I got a bunch of, you know, most of my men are retired and wonderful men, but, you know, retired and you know, one guy's like, his kids are telling him he's got to grow a beard. And he's like, no, you don't do that. And I said, hey, man, that's what he said. He started watching people his age out there. He's like, they're all growing beards. That's the thing now, huh? Everyone grows beards. It's, it is. Yeah, brother. It's the thing. I remember you're supposed to, he's like, you're supposed to shave every day, you know, you go to work. And so, you know, there's a, there's definitely a culture shift there. I do shave every day. I do. I, I clean it up. I have to keep it in check. Um, I don't need to be woolly mammoth ministries. I tried to uh, try to keep it together, but now here's the question, Joe. When you shaved it, how did your kids respond? <laughs> my kids were fine. Um, well, my son Noah, he's like, "What happened to your face?" You know, he mm. all he had some disdain. Um, my wife, though, she didn't even catch it at first. She just like she was kind of looked at me. We were talking and we're whatever, and she kind of looked and then she looked away and she was doing something that she slowly turned. You know, it was like out of a movie. You know. She just slowly, oh, <laughs> you know, jaw dropped and couldn't believe it. Well, praise the Lord. I think it looks good. I think it looks fresh. And he is he is uh, looking pretty pretty dapper today. Praise the Lord. Hey, I just got Amen. done. I got to tell you, I just got done with a conversation with a guy in our church who uh, got saved back in, in the fall. And uh, just a cool story. And uh, I talked to him today. He, he, he came out of uh, Catholicism. And so his baptismal... Um, understanding or understanding of believers' baptism was, you know, needed to be improved, needed to be informed by the scriptures. So I got to walk through with him at a great restaurant over here. We just sat there and ate a little omelet, and I had some notes, and we walked through what Bible believing baptism is all about, and uh, baptism of of believers, and baptism mode, the mode of baptism, and and you know, the spiritual baptism versus water baptism, and all that. And so it's just so cool. He's scheduled to get baptized here. Uh, this next month, and it is cool. I'm telling you, there, there is something about walking those steps with a new believer. Have you experienced that yourself? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's awesome, brother. I'd love to hear it. Yeah, I've had that just a couple times here, um, but man, what a blessing. There's nothing like that. When you watch someone, they're, kind of their eyes light up, or they're, you just you can see it. Maybe their eyes don't even light up, but just that idea that you can see things start to click, and they're like, oh, I need mm. to do that. Oh, yeah. You know, they're just so willing to obey what the Word of God says. They know they were deceived before. They see the truth now, and they're just walking in it. You know, there's nothing like that. Had a young man that led to Christ, and he said he got saved, but, you know, gave him clarity and kind of helped him with the eternal security, and he really started to grow. And I mean, he immediately is like, 
I want to get baptized. Like I need to get in the water. And so there's nothing wow. like that. It's really cool, brother. Love to hear it. It's exciting. It is. And, uh, man, just, you know, you're standing on solid foundational scripture. Get to tell them a little bit about even just some of the Baptist forefathers and things they, they, they faced and the martyrdom and the, and the persecution they faced for believing that of, uh, the doctrinal stand on the, on baptism and, uh, pretty cool to just kind of explain it to him. And there's something, I, I honestly think a lot of Christians get stagnant in their life because they haven't been around a new believer and they haven't walked a new believer through truth that they have taken for granted. The older believer mm-hmm. takes them for granted. It's kind of, you know, cobwebs now. It's, it's, yeah, we did that years ago. And there's something so refreshing for your Christian life to walk a new believer through these steps. And the further a church gets from that, I've been kind of mulling over this thought, the further we get away from the simple preaching and teaching God's Word, the disciples of believers, the training of uh, mature believers, edifying the body of Christ, the more we, we implement programs and business tactics uh, and, and entertainment methods to try to replace the work of the Holy Spirit. That's what, my personal belief. That's what's happening. Not a lot of action around here, so let's let's make some activity. And uh, it, it, you know, I, 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 it, it, you can't replace it. You just can't replace it. Right. But a lot of churches try to replace it. I think it's revealed over time. Absolutely, yeah, that's very true. I I know what that's like. You know, here we're small congregation, and and we got some of that stuff where that creeps into my mind as a pastor. And you want something to happen. You just want to see something happen. And you start running with ideas and, you know, I've been careful not to implement them, but you get just those thoughts. You're like, man, should we do this? Should we do that? And uh, there's really nothing you can do in the sense of, you know, like you said, you don't want to just turn it into entertainment and turn it into just activity for activity's sake or program for program's sake. You want something tangible, real that the Lord has put his hand on that you, you know, someone gets saved and everything else. And, and so there's a, um, some just some amazing things that um it's you know gross. some amazing things yeah there's some amazing things that the lord can do and as we just go out and try to reach people and watch the lord bless and and uh you know so it's exciting to, to see that happening for you excited to see what god has in store you know for our for our churches and and uh, my prayer is that you know our church gets more and more active just trying to reach people and not worried about activities or not worried about um you know let's just be busy to be busy and uh, our church is good about that they're excited to see what the lord has and uh and so but i want to get into our topic then this morning um and look at some things when we consider you know the will of god and you and i were talking about that you know we we talked a little bit just throughout the last couple weeks or i guess last week um, about how God has directed our lives. And we wanted to just kind of talk about from a biblical perspective, not necessarily our journey to where we are today necessarily, but just the idea of how to find God's will. What, what is God's will? Um, you know, there's differences in, you know, some people call it the mysterious. Some people call it the revealed versus the, um, Oh my goodness, the general will, something like that. Like everyone's got some mm-hmm. kind of different terms, and, and that's fine. You can have whatever term you want. Um, but we want to talk about the will of God and how someone might discern what the will of God is for them. And, you know, neither of us, I know myself especially, I'm not a master at fully understanding this. I know the Lord works in mysterious ways, His ways are higher than mine. You know, I just do a, you do a simple search on the will of God and you find all kinds of things, um, different ideas and different people that were moved by God and, and used by God. 
and uh, their callings are different than the way God moved them. But uh, yeah, so I want to get into that this morning and uh, and just kind of and see what your thoughts are on the will of God and and uh, you know what is your perspective on on the revealed will versus the um, mysterious will. It's kind of how I define it: revealed and mysterious. It's like mm-hmm. I think people are looking for that mysterious thing when they just really, if they were just worried about the general will and the revealed will that some of those mysterious things that we are so often looking for kind of take care of the kind of take care of themselves and the Lord can lead you through all that. So what is your thought on, um, on, on some of that with, with regard to the revealed, the mysterious, the specific, the general, uh, what do you think about that? So I'm thinking about our audience and I, I've looked at some of the data, some, some of the analytics of our audience. And we, we, we seem to kind of find a niche there of, of younger men. There's younger ladies as well, but I, I know personally of some younger men that listen to us. And I think even the, the title of, of the podcast, Oh Timothy is kind of directed that way. Um, you know, we, we, we consider ourselves younger men. I, I, I don't know when I'm supposed to think of myself as an older man. I kind of like the idea of just continually thinking myself as a young man because there's always someone that's like, you're, you're a young man. You're a young man. You know, it's like, what point are they look at you and you're going, you're an old man. You're, <laughs> you're, an, you're right. I think it, like, like God said that right to Moses. He's like, you, you know, Mo, you are well stricken in years. <laughs> if God calls you old, I think you're old. Uh, and you can't deny that. So, uh, I, I'm a young man. I turned. You ready for this? I turned oh. 44 years old a couple weeks ago. If you can believe oh, that. My. So, uh, as someone said, nobody knows anything until they're 40. Well, I, I guess that's Bible. But uh, uh, you know, so I'm four years old. I guess now is basically what I am. I don't. I, I, I. The sentiment to me is: the older I get, the less I know. I think we all kind of find that to be true. But uh, yeah, so knowing our audience of young young people, people even our age. Um, I think what they mean when we when they ask the question, "How do you know God's will?" They're not talking necessarily about what the Bible says is God's will. They're talking more about what God wants for them to do specifically. There was a uh, famous pe- preacher that said that a successful man is one who finds out what God wants him to accomplish with his life and then fulfills it. I think that's what we mean: finding mm-hmm. out what God wants me to accomplish with my life. And then fulfillment. It's pretty. It's a pretty profound statement because the the measure of anyone's life is not your social status, um, your social media status, your bank account status, your influence, uh, the fame that you can have, the people that you know or don't know, or you know whoever's phone number you have. It really is the measure of any person, any Christian's life is: Did I do with my life what God wanted me to do? That that's it. That's it. And um, like you said, there is a, you know, we could call it mysterious. I've heard some say there's a difference between the will of God and the plan of God. Hmm. So the will of God is not physical, but it's spiritual. And it's not connected with a set of rules or even a geographical location or even a specific ministry you're in. Um, the will of God then would be different from the plan of God. So the specific plan for your life, individually or your family, whatever, those have different details based on maybe the geographical location or specific ministry. Uh, There are others who say, okay, there are two aspects to God's will, and that would be a permissive will, what he allows to happen, 
and then what he directs or directive will. What are your thoughts on that, on the idea of a permissive versus a directive uh, will of God? Well, yeah, I think that's that's uh, I think that's pretty accurate. That's what I've I shouldn't say that's what I've always taken it to be or how I've always viewed the will of God. Um, but when we that's that's the realm we're, we're dwelling in. That's what we're that's what we're wrestling with is mm -hmm. did God allow this or did God direct this? Right. That's that's where we're always kind of struggling is, you know, does God directing me to this or did God just allow me to make the decision to go do whatever it is I'm doing? And, uh, cause certainly God ordains things. Now, obviously we don't take the Calvinistic approach that God, you know, ordains. Now he knows everything and certainly he could and does have total and complete control. But, um, there are certain things he has done specifically, but there are a lot of things that he just allows to have happen. You know, he allowed the devil, yeah. he allowed to attack Job. He allowed, um, you know, he, he, he allows things to happen in the earth. Uh, in the, in our world because of sin and everything else. So there is definitely that will that's permissive, but that directive, how God directly, you know, leads us and guides us. Um, and again, I think that's where that really is what we're wrestling with when we talk about the will of God, especially young men, especially someone who wants to be in the ministry or just coming out of high school or, or whatever. It's, it's not so much, you know, it, it's not so much, you know, the wrestling with doing wrong or doing bad. It's, it's, I think God would be happy if I did any of these things, probably. Right. I right. just want to pick, I want to pick the exact right thing. And if, if they're like me, if anyone out there is like me growing up, you know, I don't know if you heard, I'm sure you heard preaching like this where, you know, a guy would get up and preach and, and good preachers love them. I'm not trying to condemn these preachers. I think they're good men and we're trying to get a point across, but you'd hear things like, um, you know, if you do this, you're going to be completely out of God's will and almost like to the extent where you're done. God can't mm. use you. You know, mm -hmm. you're just, you're, you're gone. So sometimes I know for me, I had that fear that if I made the one wrong decision as a teenager going into high school or coming out of high school, if I make that one wrong decision, man, my life is over. And, yeah, yeah. and so we can really get scared. Now there are some things I think, you, you know, are hard to come back from or have permanent repercussions. Certainly there are those things, but <clears throat> I think sometimes we get that kind of nervousness. What does God allow me to do? And what has he directed me to do? And man, if I miss the boat in one area, one way, then I'm really going to be, you know, up a Creek without a paddle and, yeah. and I'm just lost, you know, I'll just be lost in the sauce forever. And so, um, I think finding man, a balance up, between up, up the Creek without a paddle and lost in the sauce. I mean, you would want that paddle. <laughs> To be able to stir right. that sauce, but you're up the creek and you don't but have you're up the creek. And yeah, and the sauce is, I don't even know. I don't know. You just, you just took that and ran away with it from me. And no, it's so you could tell you've been under my brother there with the, with the metaphors. I mean, the analogies, uh, you know, out the wazoo. There you go. There's he, another one. I don't even know what that means. What does that mean? Do I want to know? What, what is the wazoo? <laughs> Your brother is the king. He is the oh, king of metaphors. The king of metaphors. Yeah. We should call him that king metaphor. Yes. I love it. Uh, you grandpa. Know, uh, grandpa metaphor. <laughs> <laughs> Baby metaphor. Do, do, do. <laughs> no, he's, he's a master of it. One, I remember one time at, at, the, uh, at, at the church music tune-up, my wife was helping on the piano, but there was a point where we were kind of in more of a lecture time. And she started writing down the, all the metaphors that my brother was using. 
and she wrote them as a story. Um, it was hilarious. Just you know, we need to we need to you need to do this with your music ministry and da da. And she read it like uh, you know one of those stories you uh, you read and um, what's the, what's those what's those where you uh, you they give you a, what ad libs ad libs ad libs mad libs yeah. ad libs yeah. And so she put the whole thing together, all these like six, seven, eight ma- metaphors, and read it like an ad lib story. It was hilarious, v- very funny. That is but, great. Uh, anyhow, yes, you don't want to be up the creek without a paddle. I don't know if I ever have been, but I am scared of it. I'm I'm afraid that there is one day in my life I'm gonna literally be up a creek without a paddle. I've been told that my whole <laughs> life. Uh, <laughs> but but no, it's so true. What you're saying gets to the point, and I think. I think what happens is I think preachers, what they do is they apply their own personal testimony um, to and, and God uses people's testimony, no doubt. But instead of establishing a Bible principle and then if their testimony lines up with that Bible principle or even Bible doctrine, then then give it. Uh, if it doesn't filter it out. Um, and so we end up having people's opinions often instead of Bible principles. So, mm-hmm. uh, you, you know, Okay, if there are, if it's possible, there are two aspects to the will of God, and just let's postulate that for a second, like a permissive and a directive. So the permissive would be something He permits or gives permission to allow ha- to happen. I think you can see that clearly in the Scripture. Um, mm-hmm. Paul's trip to Jerusalem. Now, there's a great argument over that, but I mm-hmm. I used to think differently. I think I think this way now, according to the Scripture, Acts 21. Um, and that is those disciples come and find him in verse 4, find the disciples, we tarry there seven days. Acts 21, 4, who said to Paul through the Spirit that he should not go up to Jerusalem. So they come and tell him, you, you shouldn't go up to Jerusalem, don't do it. And uh, Paul makes the determination that he says uh, in verse 13, then answered Paul, what mean you to weep and to break mine heart? For I am ready not to be bound only, but also to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. And when he would not be persuaded, we ceased saying, the will of the Lord be done. But I think it's pretty clear that the will of the Lord was for him not to go, or that if he was going to go, this was what's going to happen. Now, the, the weird part about it is, or the, the strange part about it is, is God actually warned Paul three times not mm-hmm. to go to Jerusalem. This this one we read and we say, well, these brethren are trying to get in the way of the will of God, and Paul was supposed to go to Jerusalem. And I don't think that way anymore. I think the Scripture shows very clearly that the Spirit didn't want him to go. They bound him at one point and said, whoever has these words around him, you know, this belt right here is going to be bound in Jerusalem. And he said, I'm going. I'm going. I'm going. I'm going. You're not going to stop me. And the brethren said, okay, the will of the Lord be done. Uh, guess what happened? Paul ended up in prison for two years and was mm-hmm. not able to freely go about now and, and witness. God got him to Rome. Uh, and I think that is his permissible will. He got him to Rome. Paul, so here's a, here's a great point. Think about this, Joe. Here he is. I believe scripturally he's not out of the directive will of God. But he is now kind of in a permissible way, meaning I didn't want you to do that, but you're going to do it anyhow, so here's what you do when you when you do it. God eventually gets him to where he wants him to be, and Paul performs the directive will of God while he's, while he's still in prison. Mm-hmm. 
He still witnesses to people. He still brings glory to God. He still keeps his body by sanctification and all those Bible verses that talk about God's will. So I think that's an interesting concept there of there are things that God will permit you or allow you to do that maybe it's not something that he directed or has a directive will for you to do. Um, think of it this way. Mm -hmm. Did Hitler, did God pr approve of Hitler murdering six million of, million of his chosen people? But did he allow it to happen? Absolutely. And guess what it did? It allowed for the restoration of the Jews and a return to their homeland. Mm-hmm. Right. That his he permitted it, and through that permission, uh, a larger purpose took place, and that is he brought his people back, and I believe that re rekindling there of the nation in 1948. So, God mm -hmm. used something that I don't think he permitted or or wanted to happen, rather, but uh, but permitted it to happen, and um, right there it took place. Yeah, and God, God used it. What do you think on that? Well, I think, you know, when you talk about, I just had this thought. So when you talk about Paul specifically, you know, the Lord said at his, when he was called, and I don't have it in front of me, but I believe when he was called that he would, that the Lord said he would stand before kings, if I'm not mistaken, right? Is that, yeah, it was in his Acts, calling. Acts 9, yeah. Acts 9. And then I think it, when he reiterates it in 20 and 20, 26, I think. Yeah. Um, but so before he was yeah, incarcerated. Acts, Acts, Acts 9, 15. Go thy way, for so he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel, for I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. Right. So you have that calling where he is going to preach before kings. He is going to, you know, bear his name before them. And where, where before he was incarcerated, do we read of Paul preaching to kings? Right. Now, and I'm, this is just a thought. I honestly just had this while you're talking, and maybe I've thought about this before, just kind of coming back to mind, but God would still use him to fulfill that calling to preach to kings, oh, King Agrippa, you know, and he says, almost thou persuadest me, and, and you have all those things going on, Felix and Agrippa and all the different guys he stands before. You know, when before that time did he have that opportunity? So God still used him in um, to perform his will to to to. Uh, fulfill his calling, um, even though what Paul did was not, you know, not ideal and was not what the Lord had directly called him to do at that time. God still in a roundabout way used him to fulfill that calling, I think. And I think what we see there, number one, is God can still use you to perform his will, his original calling with Paul, but then also God uses that and it still, still can use us, even if we might make the wrong decision or something that may not be quite in line with exactly what he wanted, but God can still use us because we're sinners. I mean, we're, we're, we are stuck with this human condition that we can't get away from uh, until our bodies are glorified. So we're, we're struggled with where we struggle with it. And the Lord then has to orchestrate things and almost like moves the ball, moves the, moves the goalpost for us so we can continue to perform his will to the best of our ability in the situation we're in. You know, Paul never stopped preaching. He never stopped writing. He, you know, we have the prison epistles. We have, you know, we have all kinds of testimony from his writing of how God used him in, in, in his situation that he was in. So um, I look at that as permissive directive and you start getting into the, they almost cross paths. And I think it's just the human, you know, partly the human condition 
um, that the Lord is, in some sense, is, I don't mean he's struggling, but that he has to, you know, struggle with, he has to work with in our lives, which of course the Lord has no problem with. But from our perspective to his, it's like, man, Lord, I'm so sorry you have to deal with us. You know, you almost feel bad, you know, in that sense of, you know, you you know you made a wrong decision or you went the wrong direction or you could have made a different choice, but, you know, the Lord still works with you in it. Um, so that's kind of my thought there, um, you know, is that God still still works with us and, and praise the Lord for that. But when we get into that permissive directive, they kind of seem to overlap because of our sinful condition. I think so. I mean, keeping in mind... God allows suffering, and we see that in the scripture a lot. Um, and he, he, but did God does he permits it? But it's not that he would he prefers for his his believers to suffer. Otherwise, we make God into a, some sadistic being, where he enjoys, um, you know, his kids writhing under his thumb. I don't think that's what it is. In fact, First Peter chapter three tells you tells mm. you a different story. First Peter three fifteen says, "But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts." The context here is 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 persecution and suffering of the believer. Uh, sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear, having a good conscience. That where okay, so having a good conscience, I am, and the way I'm looking at this would be, I am following the directive will of God. I am I am following His direct will having a good conscience, whereas they speak evil of you as evildoers. I'm doing the right thing. They're saying I'm doing the wrong thing. That they may be ashamed that falsely accuse your good conversation in Christ. For it is better. All right? For it is better, if the will of God be so, that you suffer for well-doing than for evil-doing. For Christ also hath suffered, or hath, also hath suffered once, for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God being put to death in the flesh but quickened by the spirit so it seems like peter is reminding us that god we're going to have suffering in this life and it would be better if we suffered for doing the right thing than doing for the wrong thing and in that suffering god allows us to go through it and be perfected i think the great example of that of course is job where it seems as if the lord and the devil had a little wager going on that that Job would fail or Job would falter and and the Lord says God says to Job you know uh, hast thou considered my servant Job so God allowed that to happen but it it perfected and and um, bettered Job through that and man I, I you know I, the, the thought of God just putting Christians through pain and suffering because he enjoys that I think that's anti-biblical I don't think he enjoys mm -hmm. that I think that you know he didn't enjoy his son going to the cross but he he allowed it and permitted it to happen because there was no other way mm -hmm. for us to be saved there was no other there was no other sacrifice there was no other way around it but i don't think god was like yes my son suffers no jesus himself went through the suffering and said for the joy that the joy that was set before him endured the cross he didn't enjoy it but he looked forward to what was going to be received at, at the end of it. So God permits these kind of things in our lives, and even suffering can be a, a, a God allowing his children to go through something, even if they're doing right, to perfect them. Uh, but mm -hmm. you know, God offered, man has a free will, all of us, both Christian and lost. We have a free will. He doesn't force us uh, to do anything. 
And so for the lost man, he offers salvation. And for the saved man, he lays down these principles for a godly life. Here's how your life is blessed. Mm -hmm. But man can exercise his will uh, that God has given him, and they can actually reject his will that God has given him. And God, if we're staying with this analogy or this, this point, he permits that man's free will will uh that man's free will is can exercise and then man would be would suffer the consequences for exercising his free will and i think you're right so paul still fulfilled god's directive will to get the gospel before men before gentiles before kings for the children of israel did god want him to go to jerusalem at that time um it seems like the passage with three warnings is clearly no the the, the, the bible clearly is, is saying he shouldn't have gone but God allowed it to happen. Um, so now the next question really I think that our listener would want to know is, but then how do I know that specific, or you might say mysterious, uh, or, or you know, and, and what I've said was, is the plan of God, the plan for me. Um, not everybody's me. Paul says, you know, he has his ministry. He called it his ministry. And he planted, Apollos watered, God gave the increase. What's the plan for my life? What would you tell a young man and a young lady comes to you and says, okay, I know the will of God is for me to keep my body from fornication. I know the will of God is for me to be thankful, right? I know the will of God is for me to, like I said, keep myself in, from, from sin. I'm, I'm to renew my mind, right? Not to be conformed to this world, but conformed to the will of God. I know that I'm supposed to give thanks I'm not I know that God doesn't want anyone to perish. These are all specific direct wills of God in the Bible. Second uh, Peter 3:9, First Thessalonians 5:18, First Peter 2:13 through 15, Romans 12:1 and 2, First Thessalonians 4, 3 through 7, Ephesians 6, to serve God with a pure motive, right? Um, and Ephesians 5 talks about us redeeming the time. This is God's will. Okay, mm -hmm. so you have a young man, young woman comes to you. Pastor Joe and says, okay, I am by God's grace, I'm following these, but I don't know what I'm supposed to do with the specific or the plan of God, the specific will of God or the plan of God. What do you, what do you tell him? <laughs> I tell him, uh, life's tough. Get a helmet, you know, um, <laughs> that's my, if I have a life's verse and I have a life's quote and that's my, my that's my life's quote. Uh, you know, I, I, no, I would, I would honestly just say, number one, I don't know. You know, I don't know. I'm not the guru. No pastor has such an inroad that he can say exactly. Uh, and what I mean by that is not that he can't be inspired by God or used by God to tell you um, something that you need to hear that God can use. But I don't know what the will of God for you is. I might see some things in you and all that kind of thing. But, man, I don't know. Um, but I can so. I can give some advice and this is what I've preached and I got this from brother Mike Johnson. It was really good. He's a pastor out in, uh, hopefully he doesn't mind me using his name. Um, he should be all good, but he's out and he's retired now, but he's, um, uh, Sh Mount Shasta. I think it's Mount Shasta Baptist church, um, is his church. But anyway, he, he preached a message on Psalm 37. And so what I would tell somebody, because this is number one, this is what I've tried to do since I've heard that message and just throughout my life that it really put into context, you know, what to do, what not to do, um, is Psalm 37, trust the Lord, uh, verse three, Psalm 37, three, trust in the Lord and do good. 
you know, so you're doing all the things you're supposed to do. Okay, then trust the Lord. Um, you know, just 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 put your trust in Him. Lean not unto thine own understanding. Proverbs three, five, and six, and then uh, verse four: Delight thyself also in the Lord; He shall give thee the desires of thine heart. So, if you are doing all the things you're supposed to do, you're trying to live sanctified, set apart, and thanking Him all the way and praising Him all the way, and surrendering yourself to the Lord and all the things that you mentioned. Trust the Lord; He's going to direct you. Delight yourself in Him, and He will give thee the desires of thy heart. In that either he will form your desires to be his or, you know, your desires will just come to fruition and they're going to be good and according to his will. And then um, verse number five, commit thy way unto the Lord. So whatever you're going to do, commit it to him. Do it to the glory of God. Whether, you know, eating or drinking, do all to the glory of God, the entire purpose of man. So commit whatever you're going to do. Say, I don't know what the Lord wants me to do, but I'm going to go be a doctor. Okay, go be a doctor and say, I'm going to do this for the Lord. I'm going to honor the Lord. This is for the Lord. I'm going to be a missionary, medical missionary. I know a couple of those. Got a good friend here in Madison, actually. He works uh, with a missions group for that. So I, I'm going to commit that to the Lord, that this is what, Lord, this is what I want to do. This is the desire of my heart. I'm trusting you. So, Lord, this is the direction I want to go in. All right, give it to him. Is that what he wants you to do? Then start walking that way and, and, and see what he'll do with it. But then verse number seven, rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not thyself because of him who prospereth in his way, because of the man who bringeth wicked devices to pass. So rest in the Lord. And I just look at that as surrender. Just surrender. Um, so that, that's what I'd say. And, and I know that's not the answer anyone's really looking for because it, it's, it's, I know for me it feels ethereal. But when you are daily doing the things that you already mentioned and if you just add to the repertoire, then I'm going to trust him. I'm going to delight in him. I'm going to commit everything I do every day, every action to the Lord, and then surrender to what he allows to come to pass and not. Because what you'll find is, what I found is, when I start walking through, walking towards a direction, I found a lot of times God miraculously closes a door. And when God begins to direct your steps, you know, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. You know, God will direct those steps and give you direction as you go. But I don't know God's will for your life. I can't, you know, I can't make you or I can't predict for you. I can make some judgments. I can look at things. But, man, I don't know because I'm still trying to figure out, you know, those mysterious things too, that plan for my life. I'm still trying to find that too. But whatever you do, if, if you can't do it to the glory of God, then that decision should be off the table. If you can't glorify yeah. God in this decision, that should be off the table. If you can't commit whatever that thing is to him, that should be off the table. And some of those standards and some of those things might be things that you were just brought up with. You know, like, for instance, um, I remember a preacher one time, he preached that um, there's a young man wanted to go to college and he was going to play basketball and they had to play on Sundays and Wednesday nights. So the preacher said, well, I guess you can't play basketball. Because, you know, you're supposed to go to church on Sunday and Wednesday nights. Now, that might be true. I mean, that's that's true. But what if, you know, this guy, you know, for me, well, we don't have church on Wednesday nights. My church doesn't do that on Wednesday night. So, you know, I and but I'm going to go play basketball and they have basketball on Wednesday night. Okay, so the standard or the rule then for me is that I could go play basketball on Wednesday nights and still be in that, you know, God could still bless that and God could still be in that. 
So you might have things in your life that you say, this is not where I'm going. This is where I'm going. So as I make these decisions, then the Lord uh, has already set those things up for me. And then it kind of helps direct that path because that's how I was. These are my convictions. This is how the Lord has led to this point. Um, I, I hope that makes sense to some degree. Uh, obviously, I hope it oh, makes yeah. complete sense, not just to some degree. But um, but that's what I would say. If I was sitting across from somebody, I have said that to somebody. I've preached that in my church. I think, you know, we we sometimes we get it. We want to know so badly, especially that person that's 17, 18 years old. Um, we want to know so bad. And we underestimate what we can accomplish. We underestimate what we, or we overestimate how important this one moment is right now. I mm. really think some people just, they really overestimate, you know, that I have to be doing this at this time, or I have, I want to reach this goal. So right now I have to be, and if I miss this one decision, look, the most successful people in the world failed a thousand times, you know, they, and, uh, you know, people that I know plethora of people who didn't make their, you know, uh, their discovery or, or accomplish their task until they're much later in life. Um, and so to think that if you get it wrong or if you don't know exactly right now, that's some, for some reason you're going to be out there in the future, you know, again, up a Creek without a paddle, mm -hmm. then with no I sauce, know, gotta be careful. Yeah, no sauce, man. Um, yeah, you just don't, don't get so worried about it. Um, you know, I, I remember Pastor Sal had, I had a friend who was wanting to get married and people, some people were telling him no, some people were telling him, you know, this would be great. I remember he, he said he went to Pastor Sal and he said, you know, what do I do? You know, I want to pick the right thing. And, and Pastor Sal said, whatever you want to do. Literally, that's what he said, whatever you want to do. The decision was if you marry her, it was great. And by the way, it has been great. They're doing great. It was a wonderful decision. The people on the other side saw some things they didn't, you know, uh, this might not be, this might not be right. This might not be good. But then he just had to sit back and make the decision. Hey, this is for the Lord. I prayed over this. I fasted over this. I've done everything I can. People disagree, people I love. But at the end of the day, I've got to make the decision. And so does the Lord want me to do this? Did he direct me to this person? You know, you have to weigh all of that and commit it unto the Lord. And if the Lord gives you peace about it, which again is the ethereal. It's like, well, how do you know he gives you peace? Can he, has he confirmed it through his word? Has he confirmed it through preaching? Has he confirmed it through counsel? And then make the decision you've got to make. But if it's not honoring to the Lord, if it goes against what you've been taught, against what you've, you know, you've been led to this point, then that's obviously not the will of God. But anyway, so now I'm kind of waxing eloquent, but that's, that's what I would say to somebody. And, um, yeah. So I don't yeah. know what your thoughts there or how you want to, challenge me on that uh, because I'm sure I'm wrong somewhere, but, um, well, I've been searching, I'm searching, uh, haven't found it yet. No, uh, <laughs> um, you know, I was thinking about as I'm, I was kind of laying down there beginning the difference between like the word, the will of God or the plan of God. Look, the will of God is this. If you're saved, he wants you to be conformed to the image of his son. That's his will. Right. He, he is pre you're predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. So he is working in your life to make you more like Jesus Christ. We know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them that are called according to his purpose, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. So God's will is that wherever you are, 
and and whatever specific place you're at, whatever specific time you're at, whatever specific calling he has for you in your life, you are going to be conformed to his image. So know that if you focus on that, then then you'll know you'll be in his will. If you were to, if we're going to stick with the analogy I've been giving or the di di distinction I'm giving between the plan of God and the will of God, both of those are both are found in the Word of God. So how do you know what the specific plan is? Well, start, start, think about Romans 12. You need to start by renewing your mind and being conformed to the image or transformed rather to, by the renewing of your mind to the image of God. And when that happens, you can prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. If your thoughts are carnal thoughts, you need to replace them by immersing yourself in the Word of God. And then you can know God's will and God's plan for you, and it will be based on the will of God. When you, As you mentioned, when your will is in conformity to the will of God, uh, He can reveal His plan for you. Mm -hmm. But your priority should first be to fulfill that general will, the Bible will, uh, in your daily life, and then trust Him to guide you in the detailed plan. It's not the right. ones who are just living their life any way they want to. It's the one that is really concerned, and usually they're they're trying to check everything in their life. I think that's probably why Brother Sal would say to that young man, "Go ahead and do what you're going to do, because you know, marry or don't marry her. It's it, it, you're. I can't give you advice on that because it sounds like you're in the will of God. I think that's probably why he said it that way. If this young man's like, "Hey, this lady's not saved." Or I just really like this girl, but she doesn't go to church ever. Or, you know, he would probably have more specific Bible <laughs> verses he could give him on that and say, no, that's probably not God's will. Um, but I'll say this. You need to be conformity to the will of God before he gives you and reveals to you his plan for you. God is more and infinitely more interested in you being the type of person that he wants you to be than you do doing for him a bunch of mighty works be the Amen. kind of be the kind of person that god can use and concern with that more than what is the kind of thing that god wants me to do the specific plan that he wants me to do because it's like saying to someone is that the perfect girl i want to marry the perfect girl i want to marry the perfect guy well here's here's the problem with that you could know beyond a shadow of doubt that's the perfect person for me and then when they get married, they found out that you're not the perfect person <laughs> for <Right>. them. <laughs> now, have they gotten out of God's will because they married you? Now, I know what you're what we're saying. We're saying, look, I have a, a, a there's a there's a possibility of five girls that I could marry. Okay, are those girls saved? Yes, they're saved. Are they in church? Yes, they're in church. Uh, do they read the Word of God? Yes, they read the Word of God. Do they want to be close to the to the Lord? Yes. Um, okay. Those are five options. How do I narrow it down to the specific will of God? God? God knows what you want. He knows what you want. And he knows how to bring in front of you with all of those Bible principles being followed, with all those Bible verses being followed, and he can bring that girl, that guy, right into your life. Worry more about the kind of husband or wife you're going to be than whether or not this is the specific person with the exact DNA, with the exact family, going to the exact church, with the exact Bible cover, 
you know, all the things that we worry about. Is that something that you kind of struggle with, brother, kind of knowing those specific things? Oh, for sure. Um, I definitely did. And I think, I think the problem with, uh, with me, even at that time, when I consider it, I, I think, like you said, you're, you're worried about the great works or the great thing you're going to do. And you're less, uh, you're, you're less interested in who you are. And, um, and so I think that's great advice. And, and I definitely have been in that position. And I remember when I, even when I went to, you know, go be with my wife and marry her and before we were married, of course. And, uh, when I went to move across state lines and go out to, out to Nevada and go be with her, um, you know, I was in some respect, I was less concerned about who I was and more concerned about trying to just get her and, and, and be with her forever and everything else. But, um, and so I think, I think that's great. I think it's great advice. I think it's a great, uh, way to, to put it because, um, too often, you know, we're, we're trying to etherealize, we're trying to, you know, be mesmerized by God's will when, you know, the will of God is more practical, you know, it's more practical than it is mysterious. And, and so I think that's, I think you're, I think you're spot on there. Let me give you some practical ways in which you can know specifically what God's called you to do. All right. Here's something I think a lot of believers don't think about, and it's why they can't find the specific will of God. God, when you get saved, the Holy Spirit gives to every believer a spiritual gift. <coughs> Excuse me. And that spiritual gifting is used to profit the body with all. He has placed you within his body, the church, to, to profit the body. And you need to study 1 Corinthians 12, see if God has gifted you in a specific way. Has and, and, and that gifting is found by talking to the Word of God and, and reading the Word of God, asking the Holy Spirit, and, and then sometimes it's confirmed by believers. Sometimes God uses believers to confirm that. Um, God will probably use your pastor in some way to confirm that. And that is, he's the overseer of the church, and he sees, look, this guy right here, he absolutely loves being around children in a bus ministry or children in the, in the junior church or children in the Sunday school. or, uh, or But... This guy over here, he, he really doesn't work well with people, but he can, he'll dig into the sound ministry and he will find any detail out that he needs to, to be able to do that well. Or this, you know, this lady over here, she loves to plan an event um, for a church function and it's not a big deal to her. She does, she does really well. I, I, we had a secretary in our church in Ohio who she told me one time, she said, it, you know, planning things for the church is not a big deal to me. She said, I see that as my ministry and my gifting. And when she was doing that, she was vibrant and she was, uh, she, it looked like she filled with the spirit of, of God. And, and it was like, I'm doing this for the Lord. So when you're looking for the specific will of God, look for the gifting that he's given you. And mm -hmm. another thing is what, what God said to Moses, he said, what is that in thine hand? Right. And he said, what is it? He said, it's a rod. He said, throw it down. He threw it down. It became a serpent. And he said, pick it up, you know, and he did, and became a rod again. I think there's a principle there, and that is Moses, as a shepherd on the backside of the desert, had this tool that he used as a shepherd. And I think what God was teaching him is, I can use whatever is in your hand if you give it to me. And he gave it to God, and then that rod became a symbol for Israel's deliverance from Egypt. It was no, nothing more than a shepherd's staff, shepherd's rod, but when God took it, it was it was greater. So I think of like someone like Pat, uh, Dr. Uh, Ron Hamilton, Brother Ron Hamilton. 
And he had musical abilities before his cancer in the eye, but after that, when he surrendered that thing to the Lord, so to speak, threw that thing down to him, the Lord took it and said, okay, I'm going to use that. And he saw it somehow by faith. He saw um, by that God would use that specific thing in his life. So, mm -hmm. you know, you have a gifting in languages. You know, it's like it's like a guy who, maybe a missionary kid who grew up on the mission field. And I have a friend right now that's considering the mission field because he actually went to the mission field when he was a younger man, and he learned the language of that mission field. He's been back in the United States for a long time and has now surrendered to go back to that mission field. As a human being alone, I look and I say, absolutely, God's going to use that tool that he put in his life years ago. Mm -hmm. um, he surrendered that to the Lord, but he, in a practical way, said, God allowed me to be on that mission field for a while to learn this language. I'm now back in an English-speaking country that don't use that language. Where can I use that gift that I was given? Right? So mm -hmm. if you're trying to figure out God's wills, maybe start with the spiritual gift he's given you and then move on to the practical gift that he's given you. What do you really see as, man, this makes you come alive? I'm, I'm not talking about sin. I'm talking mm -hmm. about derived from the spiritual gift that you have. You have the gift, gift of helps. And because of that, you're a carpenter and you could possibly go do short-term missions trips to help with carpentry, or you could help with the church, or you could help a brother in Christ, or you find out when there's a, a huge, um, you know, natural disaster in, a, in some city, and then you go there and help, or your church organizes that, you know, that kind of thing where my gifting of help, my spiritual gift of help is my practical gift of carpentry. And now, now I'm narrowing down, this is exactly what God gave for me. I think about uh, Brother George Antonios over there. Um, God has gifted him in languages, in the background, he's gifted him in his mind, the connection he has in secular universities. God has gifted him in a specific way to, to profit the body with all. And mm -hmm. as he's narrowed that thing down, he's found out, oh, I can put it here. If I put it here, it doesn't work well. But if I put it here, it works really well. So if you're a young person out there trying to find out God's will, and you're like, I hate singing. I've never sung a day in my life. Look. You may get better at singing, but maybe that is not a gift. Maybe that's yeah. not a gift. Not, you couldn't get better at it, but maybe that's not the calling, or we like to say the specific calling. You're going to always sing, but maybe God has not called you in gifting that way. When, I'll just give you this, and I'm done. But when my oldest son came to me, and he's talking to me about what should I do. I said, you know, I can't tell you what to do, but I can tell you what I've seen as a gift in your life since you were five years old. And when he was when he was four four years old five years old, uh, there was a pastor's wife that told me and my my wife he, he said Tim sings perfect not perfect pitch but on pitch he doesn't have perfect pitch means you can you can pick any any uh, pitch on the keyboard without having someone play it but he could sing on pitch um, just as good or better at any kid his age and she said he said he he has a gift in that and. Not only did he have a gift in that, he had a desire for it. Mm. And we saw that at a young age, like it wasn't a hard thing for him. It was something he really wanted to do. And okay, so now, Tim, I want you to pray about whether that fits in the, the permissive will of God or the directive will of God. Can you use that for his glory? And, and so I think that's why he's there studying music right now, because his, his gifting of encouragement is 
is plugged in with his gifting uh, and his personality or, or his practical gift, I guess if you want to say it that way. And mm-hmm. so maybe maybe that'll help you a little bit. Okay, you say, but I don't know the specific will of God right now. What does he want me to do? Okay, think about two things. One, if he told you right now, it might overwhelm you. Mm-hmm. So maybe you don't know the specifics right now because you couldn't handle the specifics right now, right? Sure. Think about Moses. Acts 7 tells us that he supposed that his brethren would understand that God would deliver him by his hand. At the time, he killed the Egyptian in you know, self-defense there or standing standing instead for someone else. Um, he thought everybody would understand what that was. But within 24 hours, they had spread the news all over Israel and apparently Egypt. Right. So it wasn't right. the time. Moses had no idea that he was going to be leading possibly two to six, four, six million people into the desert to try to feed all these people. He would have been like, you know what, Egyptians, you handle them. My hands are off of my people. God did not reveal everything that Moses was going to go through at the beginning. Right. So right. maybe you don't know everything yet because it wouldn't be hard. Or excuse me, you wouldn't be able to handle it. And maybe right now you're not equipped to handle it. Mm-hmm. Right. So the reason why God hasn't given you a wife yet is because you're not quite ready for all the responsibility of a wife, not just having a, a bud that is your main squeeze, but one that you provide insurance for and the one that you help <laughs> health insurance for. And, 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 you know, are there as a moral support. Maybe you're just not ready. Right. Uh, maybe he'll give you that specific will. And then uh, one other thought, why hasn't God given you a specific will yet and shown his will or plan for you? Maybe you're not the type of person that God wants you to be yet. Mm-hmm. And he's going to grow you into that specific plan. Um, I'll tell you, one one guy I knew, he was printing the gospel tracks. And I maybe mentioned this before, but I mentioned it one more time. He was printing, printing the gospel tracks, God's Simple Plan of Salvation. It's in, called LifeGate um, Ministries Incorporated in Indianapolis area. And I was there for a while at the printing press, and I got to meet this guy. He was actually a graduate of Pensacola Christian College. And he told me, I said, man, how'd you get into this? He said, I didn't get into this. <laughs> he said, every class I took at college was for a different degree, except one class I took on printing. I took a printing, one printing class, like mm-hmm. an elective, you know, just to fill out the degree. He says, <laughs> I print tracks every day. <laughs> and the other degree I had, I don't use. So, you know, everything you're learning, we're all learning constantly. Why God does it that way, I don't know. Except that maybe you don't know yet exactly what he wants you to do because you're not the person he wants you to be yet. But all along the way, as you're in God's will, you're gleaning and you're growing and you're learning from each one of these experiences. And then maybe he'll show you one day that there was a reason for that. But that's. So maybe some practical stuff for for the young people or for guys, girls our age, to know maybe what God has going on in their life at this time. Amen. I've got, you know, I got nothing to add to that. That's, uh, I mean, that's really good stuff right there. And it, it's far more practical than it is than you think it is. You know, to everyone out there, it, it just is. I mean, you know, I look at how God has led in my life and brought me to where I am. <clears throat> a lot of it was just practical steps, obeying the impulses of the spirit of God. And right. as long as that couldn't, as long as that joined up with the word of God, you know, I was, I was on the right track. And so God has led all the way. And, uh, pastor Treber taught us that in Bible college. I remember he always, 
emphasize that obey every spiritual impulse. And, uh, you know, I think that's, you know, when you're getting the practical side together, just, you know, uh, test that with the spirit of God and make sure that's what he wants you to do. But, you know, it's not the hardest part, like you mentioned is, is patience and waiting and, Mm. and people just gotta just slow down. You know, you got your whole life ahead of you. You don't even realize it. And it's, you know, it's hard for a young person to hear that. Yeah, I remember I was young once, still am, but I was 19 thinking, when am I going to get married? I was 21. When am I going to get married? 22. When am I going to get married? And a year later I was married. So, you know, what do you do? You just, you just got to give God time and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, give God, give God all your days, not just a year between Bible college and high school. Give God all your days, just whatever it is, take those paths, take those classes, take those giftings and test them out and use them for the Lord. See what he has for you. It's, uh, uh, life lived for the Lord is, is not a wasted life. And, uh, so anything you do for his glory, God's going to use it in some way down the road. I truly believe that. So anyway, I think what you said is really good there, brother. I've got nothing else, you know, really to add. I think that's, that's some good advice. Uh, stay in the word, you know, stay in the word, stay uh, on your knees, stay in the word of God and, uh, let the Lord just direct those steps for you. Yes. Hey, I know how frustrating it can be to try to understand God's will specifically. But I'll say this. At the end of all of that, there's still the Lord. It's still the Lord. You're still pursuing him. Don't pursue, pursue the specific will of God outside of God. Don't pursue it more than God, if that makes sense. Find yourself in a room somewhere and just talk to your God and say, Lord, I need some direction here. I need some specifics. But I really want you because where I, if I get to where you want me to be, you're going to be there with me. And that's what I'm going for. Go for the Lord and he'll give you his will, show you his specific plan for your life. Hope this is a blessing to you, Dave. It's good to have you on, Brother Joe. God bless. Thanks, brother. You too.